0: This is my name. I mean, I'm my name. I mean, hello. I'm Keith Apigary, and you're listening to Video Game Bolt. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I got some video games coming out of my butt right now. <laughs> Listen to them and Enjoy. This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen, I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda, and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got guys.
1: Hey! I'm big into uh, no death runs, high score runs, uh, collector of all things, vintage and retro, um, pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Yeah. All right,
2: what's
0: going on? Hey,
1: Talking. Kyle, uh, Jeff. Yep. Yeah.
0: Cool. So, as as we talked about, uh, I think this was a, a drunken conversation. I don't know if you were. Oh, yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> it was at Philly at too many games that we were we were bullshitting about yeah. bullshit.
2: Yeah, but that was that was fun.
0: That was a good time. Oh, it was it was definitely a fucking crazy time, and <laughs> it basically like we were just like, hey, you should come on the podcast, and then like months and months of us all getting busy as shit, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always fucking classic. But um, so so basically, how video game bullshit works is we literally just bullshit on down the river, okay. and so we're gonna let you um talk about like where you're going but there's also like a few things we'd like to talk about because we overanalyze everything that's what we do (laughs) we analyze every fucking thing that we ever do so it's always cool and of course we're going to talk about our episode one of the podcast which was which was crazy because it had to do with you so oh cool it'd be really fucking fun so the first thing is what is your bio to tell people who may not have heard of the angry video game nerd about you,
2: so just a big movie fan, uh, play a lot of video games as a kid, and then start doing shows about them
0: and making movies in my backyard. There you go. And actually, that goes into the first uh, topic. So you you started creating videos at a very early age, right? Uh, yeah. Like as soon as um as soon as I had access to a camera. So let's hear that story. That's always the interesting aspects because we always talk about our stuff when we were kids, and this doesn't have to always be video game related. We go down the bullshit path, so (laughs) nothing's off limits with bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Bullshit, (laughs) yeah. Uh, I mean, I was, you know, in the '80s. I guess you guys
2: are '80s too. Like, absolutely
1: '83, '83. One for
2: Jeff. Yeah, that was right, right on '80, 1980. Um, yeah, that time was uh. It was it was interesting because analog video was starting to become a thing, and uh, there was no YouTube, no digital video, but it was sort of, it was past the generation of film, where the only thing you had was film. You had to shoot film, you had to develop film, splice on film. No matter which generation you are, you're, you'll always be able to say, like, oh, well, we had even less than that, you know? Yeah. But the 80s was interesting because it was in between. It was sort of like a new technology was starting to take shape, but it just wasn't there yet. I mean, even just look at all the different formats of playing back video there were because you had, you had laser discs, you had mm-hmm. CED, CDs, audio cassettes, beta, VHS, pretty much every format that ever existed was like overlapped. It was all like at the same time. Absolutely. And it, yeah, and then of course, you know, DVDs and Blu rays stuff came later, but
1: later on, yeah.
2: It was just like the 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 most interesting time with that. Was just so many different options available, and nobody knew which way it was going. It was just like Mm -hmm. maybe. I mean, people thought like Beta was going to be, you know, the the next thing. But then I think like VHS was cheaper. Took over.
0: VHS was cheaper to make, and big big money went with it. All the different studios backed it for the rental market, and yeah, kind of faced. You had all these.
1: Yeah, like distribution companies would pop up. You know, so many small ones and Gorgon Video. You know, shit Bestron like that. Video. <laughs> yeah, trans classic. I heard, I heard a lot of it had to do with porn. Actually, that there was yeah,
2: porn on VHS.
1: <laughs> yeah, Coliseum Video. They did like uh, WWF stuff, but they also did porn. So they got so super rich. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you run around with one of those VHS camcorders that actually had a VHS tape, or was it one of those little small cassette tapes that it would record on, and then you had to like put that in like a VHS contraption to play in your your play? yeah
2: player? I used them both at different times. because uh, before we used to rent a camera because it mm-hmm. was like too expensive to own. So my parents would rent it for birthdays and stuff and and uh, you know, somebody's party. Uh but when you rented it, it was usually the full size VHS. I remember it came like in a case, and you know, you, it was the full size. Then, uh, my mom uh, eventually got a VHS C camera later on, and that was like the family camera. Mm-hmm. And then gradually I started to take it over where I would just start, you know, using <laughs> it more and more. And, uh, you know, they're glad, you know, okay, fine. It keeps them out of trouble, you know, keeps them entertained. So yeah. they, they supported it. Um, but that was the VHS-C camera, the compact ones where you have to put them in the uh, tape extender for, for mm-hmm. anyone who's not sure any of the listeners who don't know what I'm talking about. Like mm-hmm. there's a battery, you put a battery, like a A AA or AAA battery, and then it like extends, the, st- literally stretches the tape out until so it fits into your VCR. But then, um, then it was like actually about 20 years ago, it was like 97, I got a, a, a full-size one. So I actually went back. I went back to full size VHS because I was tired of those um, those tape extenders because they actually like really sucked because when they would stretch mm-hmm. the tape out a lot of times you get that fuzzy line on the bottom.
0: It degrades the quality a lot. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, and you have to mess with the tracking to get it right, oh, and and also like thirty minutes of tape. Like I needed more, so I was just like I'm tired of switching tape so
1: much. Too short.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So so I preferred the 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 full size. It had the light on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, the rca uh
0: camera yeah so there you (laughs) the ones i remember had like the giant fuzzy microphone on the front
2: (laughs) yeah mine didn't have that but uh but i I know what you're talking about though
0: yeah absolutely it's just just classic times and of course you know all of this was before the internet was even a thing Mm -hmm. um i like growing up would use more like a tape recorder and kind of record like audio based stuff which is ironic because now we're podcasting Mm -hmm. yeah there you go (laughs) like fucked up worlds how we kind of we kind of did what we did as kids but now we're doing it on a bigger scale
1: it all connects for sure
0: yeah just like doing what we enjoyed doing Mm -hmm. it's like gravitates toward that yeah Just crazy, crazy aspects, and um, so now the thing is: is did you try to get everything perfect as you recorded? You know, with all the classic like things as a kid, like making mistakes and just going with it, or did you actually learn some analog film splicing and stuff like that? You know, with the old with the old uh, pens and markers to mark each spot and. Doing doing all that and then cutting the the tape a little bit to edit out any issues.
2: Oh, well, I, I never. Uh, <laughs>
0: that's, I never
2: actually physically cut the analog tape, but I would I would edit them onto a new tape. So it would be, you know, you'd have your first, you know, you you hook your VCRs together and you hit oh yeah one and then record on the other. That's yeah. classic. <laughs> yeah, and it sucked. But then you'd start. <laughs> um, they, I eventually got this really expensive VCR, like, saved up to, like, you know, it was, like, a big deal. Like, oh, I got this really nice VCR with a flying erase head. And it was, like, basically a flying erase head, so it, it makes clean cuts. So you don't oh, all that, like, fuzz and garbage. But still, like, it was really hard to get the exact frame that you were trying to edit. So usually... Like I figured out what the delay was and it was like thirteen frames or something. No shit. And still gotta time it where like you hit play on the first one and you gotta hit record at just at the right moment just to get that perfect shot, that perfect cut. Mm-hmm. You know. Nowadays like well nowadays you don't even have to edit in order. You could go back to the beginning and change something, but back then if there was something that you wanted to change earlier in the video, you'd have to change everything else up,
0: you know, past that point. Yes, you're basically talking manual editing, watching the TV, pressing play, like, that's awesome though. (laughs) Yeah. There's something classic about that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One one time we had it where it started where the first VCR, look, I actually had two VCRs in the house where one was in the living room and the other was, like, upstairs in the bedroom. And I basically, like, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I couldn't move one of the VCRs or it had to stay where it was, so I connected them through the floor, like they're basically like they're connected through like the <laughs> cable or some shit. shit. And I actually had to run up the staircase, so I hit play and then run upstairs to hit record.
0: And I come <laughs> back. And- yes,
1: it's <laughs> hardcore. Yeah, those
0: like your cardio exercises. Like <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I Can imagine like you hitting it and fucking missing like the record button or something, going fuck! Like you gotta run yeah, back yeah. downstairs, restart the whole process. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Holy what's shit. great is like all that you do just to get to your goal. Yeah, just like anything, you know, any possible thing. The result that you want, though, because that's the thing. You could just record a shitty version, you know, but you wanted a better result. You know, you wanted something greater.
2: Yeah, like everything is sort of like a victim of circumstance. Like you just have to go with whatever you have available any movie idea I would come up with, it's like, well, that, that's not going to be possible, but but I'll try it anyway. You know, you get home from school, then you just have, like, a few hours, and you see, and you need some actors, but usually, like, you know, everybody was busy, or they had homework to do, or something. Oh yeah, It was kind of hard to get people together to, to act, and whenever you did, it was like, you might get, like, a half hour or something, and it just doesn't cut it. So, you have to, like, shorten your your script or shorten your idea and then it's just compromise after compromise um <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's it's just like having a band too because you know you try to get these people and but you have your vision and they have their vision or they don't care
2: mm. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> yeah, then you have that yeah. but being a victim of circumstance though is interesting because it makes us more creative right
2: yeah yeah
1: you Fine. come up with shit like
2: mm-hmm. You know, I was fortunate, like, all the friends I had in the neighborhood were, like, really uh, good sense of humor. They were, like, you know, there are a lot of, like, um, you know, practical jokers kind of things. Like, that, you know, they always awesome. be joking on each other. <laughs> yeah. But that kind of, like, went into, like, the, the whole movie thing. It was almost like, you know, you're making a movie and then part of it is, like, oh, well, when the camera rolls, I'm going to, like take his head, bash it in the wall for real or something. Like You never know what they're going to do. Like There's just this unpredictable nature about it where like they might give you something you didn't expect and then you have it on camera and it's part of the movie and you're like, well, that wasn't meant to
0: happen, but, but that's the way it went. <laughs> that's awesome, though. It's always fun to have ad-lib aspects to film that make it in there. I mean, there's, like in current cinema, when you see something that looks like it, oh shit, that looks like that wasn't expected supposed to be in the film. And it, that was the really cool thing about, like, creating your own stuff, is just seeing how, you know, unique it can be. Yeah. So, one question that we always have is, we know, and a lot of the listeners will likely know, but we'll I'll explain it real quick, is that the, initially, the Angry Video Game Nerd was just one of your videos, right? Yeah.
2: It was just one of many different ideas. And every idea was so drastically different from the other
0: absolutely and there was like a long time between like videos because you did one then you had you know with the introduction of the internet people started to request more um so the interesting thing is is that i would like to hear what your perspective is is like how the angry video game nerd shorts became like almost a way of life because Mm -hmm. you know it allowed you to film make for a a living because of the introduction of YouTube and monetization and deals with, you know, different companies and things like, I I don't know, you were part of what game trailers and things like that for a while. And And
2: that happened overnight either. That was like a very gradual process.
0: That's where a lot of people creating videos on YouTube and things don't realize is that even back then when you were pioneering the style, it took a long time
2: yeah and there was no money involved like 2006 making all those nerd videos that was just my spare time after work mm-hmm. like I would you know come home from work and I'd have like a a few nights free and I'd I'd work on them and I don't even know how I got so many of them done during that time it was like really a, a miracle because I, I would just like barely sleep and just Holy crank shit. out these videos because I, I didn't know if this thing was going to end like tomorrow like if it was going to be like oh well I thought of it as, like, a fleeting thing. Like, here, this thing is popular right now. Just keep doing it while people are interested. Yeah. Sooner or later, they'll lose interest, and then it'll go away. So, so you know, just do as much of it as you can for now. And it's then it seemed by the end of the year, it's like, wow, this thing is still big. Like, people are really into this. And then, start
0: you start to know, steamroll.
2: <laughs> yeah. And it was, like, a really risky decision. It's like, do I quit my job and give up all my health benefits to, like go do some, some new thing that like nobody even knows if it's gonna be around. Yeah, that's a tough yeah. So I pretty much just like packed up all my shit and just left. Uh you know, I I I quit the job. Um I mean I gave it two weeks notice. I didn't just leave but I <laughs> <You> fucking <laughs> dropped the mic but, fucking yeah, gone. <laughs> yeah. Like I gave up a solid salary. Like I, I was on a yeah. salary too. It wasn't even like, you know, like an hourly thing. I, I had um guaranteed paycheck but now i didn't and you know i'm paying off my student loans and everything i'm like how am i gonna do this now but i was like this this thing i just have to take a chance just take a chance on it, see where this goes and and it was like it was struggling for a while but i you know eventually like you know i made the deal with game trailers Uh which was early on it was 2007 and then it was like slowly slowly finding more ways to to monetize it so that it could become a job well,
1: absolutely
2: uh, to take the place of so I, I was doing a lot of other stuff though at the time um uh i actually had a job editing wedding videos after that so i was sort of i was doing that at the same time and that went on for a while but then just slowly slowly like it just became more about doing web content but yeah i saw yeah i saw the whole thing just kind of take
1: shape so when you so when you took you know that first step what was your mindset? Okay, now I've quit this job, my benefits, my salary. Okay, so what did you do from there? Did you just ask people if they wanted to include you in there, or how did that work? the Contracts and stuff?
2: Yeah, um, it was slow. Like, it was just so gradual that uh, first I was connected with Screw Attack in 2006, but nobody was getting paid or anything. It was just sort of like they were starting out too. Like, then Screw Attack connected with Game Trailers, and then gradually they. They started uh, paying for our content to like put it on, you know, game trailers uh, before it, it debuts there, before it goes on to
0: YouTube. Mm-hmm. Nobody could have predicted how big YouTube would get. Yeah, and you were right yeah. at the the pe- like the pinnacle Perfect of timing. the beginning, the right place, yeah. the right time. And then the whole game trailers and Screw Attack thing kind of yeah. went hand in hand.
2: Yeah, and I I don't even I didn't even have any idea that that many people would remember or care about the same games. Like I knew that there was a, a following for it because uh, in college, you know, it was always like a fun kind of like, you know, hey hey, remember this game and mm-hmm. sort of just like reliving your childhood just for a little bit. So I, I didn't know there'd be that many people interested in it, but then it, it like exceeded all my expectations. I just think it's amazing that it's year 2017, and we're still talking about, like,
0: (laughs) everything. uh, Yeah. Well, the interesting aspect for, I know, for Kyle and I is that our initial connection to your videos, so, like, everybody's, like, you know, associates the Angry Video Game Nerd with saying ass and fuck and all this shit, and it's... (laughs) that wasn't what drew us to your videos like that shit was funny yeah got it you know all the different you know obscenities you would throw and now you're getting like unique with them but it was more so like over analyzing all the aspects of the classic games and then talking about the bullshit that would happen like getting knocked back in freaking castlevania and falling down a pit a million times that shit happened to us as gamers like, uh-huh. <laughs> and, it, and it showed that you knew the games a little bit more than just some schmuck who played it for the first time.
2: Yeah, like, sometimes you feel a little bit of a responsibility, like, oh, do I have to be an expert at this game? Or, like, do, do I have to, like, learn more about it? And, yeah, I feel like there is a little bit of that, like, which is why I, I don't do modern games as much, because I'm, yeah. I'm never going to know more about those games than anyone else.
1: Yeah, but I, hear, I hear you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, to, to me, it's like more so like your experience Experience is the interesting aspect. So, like, if it's an old school game that you played as a kid, you would expect that there would be more like depth to it, and you would know a little nuances. Whereas, if you're playing, like, say, you play a game for the first time, like you never played Brain Lord for the Super Nintendo, and you're playing that for the first time, you would have an, an, a different reaction. Even as the nerd character, you would have a different reaction because it's your first time playing the game. So, yeah, each way can be different and unique, which is really cool, which is some of your like newer episodes where you're digging into something that you've never played, like some of those crazy fucking bootleg games that
1: you were playing. <laughs> <laughs> and what you said with the nerd character is a key, because a lot of people online, they're, they're themselves. But, see, you've developed a character which makes mm-hmm. it special, though, because mm-hmm. that puts it in the whole acting field as well. Because now oh, you yeah. aren't James Rolfe. You are someone completely different and yeah. that I think a lot of people might not even think about, but that's a huge thing.
2: Yeah, that's something I didn't think about as much when when like when I did it. I, I was playing a character, but I didn't. I just stopped and thought because I was so used to making th- videos. Like I was always playing different characters. Like uh, that's what I was always doing. So I, I just assumed everybody else would would you know would get that the same. But it seemed like when it started. A lot of people didn't know it was a character. It, they <laughs> thought it was like the real thing, which was actually a really great thing because it's like, you know, you fooled them. You, you know, you got them. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah absolutely. Got them. <laughs> <laughs> it made the show more uh, <laughs> like convincing. I think everybody gets it now, but there was like a time when, um, when I didn't realize that it kind of had something a little more special to it was because when YouTube started, most of the videos pretty much were just people talking to cameras like... Yeah. And everything was kind of like this real, real thing. So I think a lot of people kind of regarded it as like, this is a vlog, this is a YouTube style, and this is a real person getting mad at a game and complaining about it. And that <laughs> kind of added to the allure of it, I think.
0: absolutely. Um,
2: so I didn't really realize what I had there because I was just like, oh, I'm just playing a character like anything else. But it also kind of made it a very convincing character, I suppose, that it wasn't really like it was kind of close enough to the way it would really go if
1: you were getting mad at a game. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like you turned up to eleven. Yeah. It's like, like wrestling, like Stone Cold or something. Like he's really like that. He just turns it up. Yeah. Like yeah. To, <laughs> yeah. Like you stick
2: to the truth. You stick to yourself, but you just you exaggerate it more. Like you go full yes. you go full out
1: exactly yeah that's great
0: (laughs) it's very interesting and it's why like when you're playing a game normally like even on your james and mike episodes that you guys do it's different because you're not playing it as your character you're just playing
2: yeah yeah so that's pretty much just like what it's like when you're playing games to like try them out for the videos absolutely Like, like for the nerd videos usually there was like a session like that that would happen beforehand Mm -hmm. sometimes it's you know me by myself other times it's mike but we just decide let's start recording those just see if you know people enjoy them so then you're just getting like the real thing without the script without fact checking without you know (laughs) exactly um, like
1: whatever happens happens the big thing was your technical like wizardry was one of the first you started you know with the vhs and stuff but you can tell that you just kept going with that into the computer realm and figuring out Photoshop and, you know, like how to do this and that. But a lot of people didn't have that. And I think that's what really catapulted you along with the character into like the stellar sphere. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: The being able to evolve with technology and with everything is a good thing to do. I mean, especially when, you know, we go from normal videos to now HD to 4k and we continue Mm -hmm. to get better. But also keeping true to what your content is, is tough, I would say. Mm -hmm. Very, very difficult. So, what we should probably do is come full circle, because one thing, James, that I don't know if you realize, I mean, we talked about it drunkenly at Too Many Games, but um, episode one of video game bullshit was, Has the Angry Video Game Nerd jumped the Shark? (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh yeah yeah you're
0: telling me. <laughs> I and I remember like I, I think I mentioned it to you at a convention before and yeah. you're just like well what happened so I'm like no we got we gotta talk about it in depth <laughs> but, uh, what year was it Just to give context okay uh, so so let's give a little context Kyle um so this would have been right about when you started to focus a little bit more on the James and Mike
1: Mondays It was um, December 2014 exactly. Was around. It was a, It was like a little bit after you had episode 100, and that that was like a huge finale. Okay. Like, oh my god! And I think a lot of people uh, expected the end of the world every day. Oh yeah, yeah. So then, when you did something that didn't have like, oh my god, holy shit, <laughs> then it was like, oh, well, this isn't the ABGN that I know. It's kind of like Metallica. Everyone has their own idea of who Metallica yeah. is, their mm-hmm. own era. So they they yeah. want it to be v- there, you know. and that's that's what makes it tough. We talked
0: about that. It was also about the same time that I knew you were wrapping up the film. You were still heavily into editing. So Mm -hmm. when we talked about it, we took everything into consideration. And we talked about that we enjoy it and that what people's expectations and how out of scope they can be. Because what made you popular way back in the day was what you were kind of getting back to. And what was ironic was after this you kind of went completely back to the old school style, which we were like, holy Mm -hmm. shit, it's like he listened to our episode without even knowing about it. Oh, right. It was really funny. But it was, like, interesting, the jumping the shark aspect. Because jumping the shark, obviously, is the classic Happy Days episode where Fonzie literally jumped a shark on skis
1: and, (laughs) like... He doesn't
2: really jump it too well. No, no, he doesn't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and there's, there's two definitions to Jumping the Shark. One is um, they start to do silly things, but the other definition is something that starts to decline in quality over time. Exactly. And that's what a lot of people, like, and the that's the whole thing that you have to deal with, the, like the trolls and shit and the people commenting, like, this isn't, I don't like this one. You know, there's so many people, you can't please everybody, but the one thing is you got them to care. Oh, yeah. Getting them to the care, man, is the hardest thing. Like, if you can <laughs> get them to the care, you've succeeded, in my opinion, well, because cool. they have their own perception of you. During that
0: time frame, like, so we're talking, you know, end of 2014, beginning of 2015. We're ex- mm-hmm. So, so. where were you at during that time when we were sitting there bullshitting about, you know, the progression? You know, you started doing the James and Mike, which we said yeah. is probably a lot less editing, so that's why you're able to do those, but. We didn't know what you you just told us here, which was that you you literally do that to play a new game for a nerd episode sometimes.
1: The Christmas episodes, you did like little stocking stuffer episodes. Mm -hmm. I think some people people thought it was going to go that direction for good.
2: At least at the time, that was the third most time-consuming project that I'd ever done. If you count the 12 days, the full 12 days of Shitsmas. Yeah, Shitsmas. It was literally like making 12 episodes like they were all written back to back. They were all recorded back to back and then all edited back to back. But it was just months and months of working on that thing. And, and we tried to do one this year, but it just was like, okay, that's impossible still. You know, it's like, I keep trying year after year. So instead what we did this year, we kind of spread them out more. So Mm -hmm. you got like one episode a week for like, maybe what was it? Like six or seven weeks or something.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of nerd episodes just recently. It was really awesome.
1: Yeah, so you didn't get 12, but you got a bunch. <laughs> yeah. And that's And that's where it's interesting because there's two perceptions. There's a perception when you're going through it and you're keeping up with the videos and where's this going to go? And then there's a perception of looking back on the complete beautiful body of work and being like, Jesus Christ, mm. this is fucking epic. Like, oh, that's, yeah. that, that's, that's the whole thing where I think some people, as they're going – if the video doesn't meet their expectation of end of the world, you know, super mega death Christ shit, like yeah, then then it's like, oh, well, I guess I gotta wait for that one. But then when you look back on it, you can enjoy it, not just for the crazy shit, but for the in-depth stuff, you know, the the science fiction Twilight Zone, like super mentally awesome shit, like universally thinking in that kind of way too, which I totally love, you know. My favorite two were like the past two Halloween episodes
2: I did. Uh the Berenstain Bears and Polybius.
1: Oh, oh man. Dude, they those were both
0: sick, excellent. Oh thanks. <laughs> yeah, and, uh... It's just like the over analyzing the lore behind both the Berenstain Baronstein aspect, and then of course Polybius, which I know a lot of those guys that are like obsessed with trying to find the actual arcade machine, so that was super cool. Oh cool. <laughs> You yeah, had the
1: Mandela effect with Berenstain Bears, mm-hmm. which is super cool to think about, you know, um, how people view the past differently than um, what it really was. Like, people think the Monopoly guy had, like, a monocle yeah. when he actually didn't. People think uh, Mickey Mouse had suspenders when he didn't. Stuff like that. The Berenstain, yeah. the Berenstein. Even then, just saying that, I'm like, wait, Mickey Mouse doesn't have suspenders? <laughs> yeah. There's a <laughs> bunch of weird <laughs> ones. Like... Um, a lot of people say Luke I am your father it's no I am your father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not Luke but people think yeah. it is. Yeah. He
2: does it to Luke so it's kind of like when you say it without without having the scene in front of you it just kind of makes sense to throw Luke in there so people know what context. What you mean? Fill in the blank. But, yeah. But then it became like a you know a thing where it's just like that's I think I think that's where like people got real technical. Like, well, that's not really what he says, and then it, then it, you know, kind of became like a thing of its own. Yeah, it creates
1: a whole new life.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, stuff like that. I remember when I I did the Mandela effect video. I, it must have been a, an entire day of just researching the the beam me up, Scotty thing, because I'm going through like every Star Trek uh, Blu-ray. I'm going through like every episode. I'm like, you know. Using the internet as a guide, but trying to find the actual clips so I could hear them all myself because you'd think they'd all be on YouTube, but they're not. So I'm like trying to find every instance of him saying it uh-huh. or like any, anybody, you know, any character saying it. But it was so weird because they pretty much say it, but they just say it in like every possible variation except the one <laughs> which is the way people
1: say it. <laughs> weird. I never knew where that came from, the, the Scotty.
0: Well, yeah. I think a lot of it is almost like schoolhouse playing in the playground type fun. We're all just running around playing with our favorite nostalgic stuff that we were doing as kids. So running around saying, Luke, I'm your father. Running around saying, beam me up, Scotty. It was just like what we did as kids. Yeah. And it kind of took a a kind of a thing of its own. Like it's, mm-hmm. it took a life of its own type thing. It really crazy, actually.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah, it was always interesting, though, to to look back on old episodes and Mm -hmm. what what we've all done. And, you know, looking at the AVGN is literally what we use, the Jumping the Shark episode. And we tried to explain that people have out-of-scope expectations for content, Mm -hmm. and they don't know the you know what's going on behind the scenes like like that maybe you have a life and maybe a wife and a kid and yeah. now now another kid congratulations yeah, by the way now James there's
2: two kids so it got more difficult than ever so I really have to prioritize what I want to do absolutely
1: um, not everyone knows that shit though um, that's the thing
2: yeah I've had a lot of help with the editing on the recent videos mm-hmm. but uh like Polybius, that episode was like my baby. That was just like, you know, uh, I'm well not literally my baby because I had a baby, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh So,
0: so you know, your baby came from Polybius? Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah. It gets deep.
2: That's <laughs> weird. That actually was like close to the birth. I was like writing it after afterwards, but um I think that was the next episode after I came back to you know, to A B G N. Yeah. But uh so it's kinda like I I have to just prioritize what things I want. Like I could spend a whole year to make one episode and make it like the best episode ever mm-hmm. or like have twelve episodes a year and have them be like okay to decent you know like I, I think it's been a pretty much got a good like in the middle like they've been pretty frequent but they've also been pretty decent too um, you yeah, always
1: talk about that where you have to like abandon your work at some point because you could never like yeah fully finish it you know like
2: that's the thing da Vinci it's like, style <laughs> yeah like the polybius video even though it looked like nothing that was like 75 hours just to do that one oh video. my
1: god see yeah. okay we have to get to this here with mm-hmm. burnout because yeah. i i do the vgbs and it's hella crazy yeah so where does the burnout come in for you because it, it definitely comes in for me where I, I have to do other things
2: oh yeah i mean you get sick of looking at it after that long a time but But then there's ones where it's just like, well, but this is such a good idea. Like Polybius, like it was just, Mm -hmm. I was just getting drawn into it. I was like, this is unlike anything I've done. I really want to do this. I've never done like a straight up horror AVGN. Like it's not even just Halloween theme. That's just like, let me just do it as a straight up suspense. And I guess just got real into it, but. It's just amazing how the one that it looks like there wasn't much effort, but it was like more effort than anything to make it look shitty. Like it actually took more work.
1: Yeah, Um, I noticed you like held the conclusion for a really long time, which I loved because mm -hmm. it made people like want to know more about the mystery. I think that too, just designing that whole scheme of a timeline has to take Mm a fucking long time.
2: Yeah, it was a long time writing it, because I'm just tr- trying to think, like, okay, so he gets from this point to this point. How does he change throughout this video? Like, what happens? Mm-hmm. What keeps him trapped in there? Why why can't he get out? How does this all work? Thinking it through the logic of it. And it was a tough one to write. And then shooting it, the idea was, oh, this will be easier because we won't use a lot of lights. We won't use, like... You know a fancy microphone or anything like I'm not really gonna mic myself, I'm just gonna use like the camera mic, yeah, and then we did it, and it was just like, well you, first of all, you'd be f- shooting a shot and you're like, well, my face is so dark, like we need some kind of light, but we can't make it look like we brought a light in we we have to it has to look like a light that would like a light source that would normally exist there, so while I'm playing the game, like there's a little tiny light that we put on the arcade machine like a, one of those square like led lights just so you could which see you, it you, you, yeah you could actually see it shine in my glasses a lot but we're doing that just to get my face so you can see my expression and then still like the the footage was so murky i had to do tons of color correction to like boost all the dark areas and everything and then with the audio it was like garbage it was just so quiet like because the, the microphone was just too far away for me
1: Oh, fuck. So
2: I pretty much had to boost the gain on everything oh. so you could hear it. And then when you boost the gain, you're boosting all the, the background noise, too. And the hiss everything. and the ambience. Yes, yeah, so you get all that hiss. So then yeah. I'm like going through the hiss, and I'm, like, removing oh. – I'm
1: using filters to, like, take out the hiss. Sound pass filters. <laughs> it takes forever, yeah. too, because you can – uh, change all the coordinates and there's so many options so if you take it out too much it sounds like like a robot
2: yeah and a lot of times i have to do it over because i'm like oh my voice is a little too tinny there and yeah. every shot sounded different like if it's if it's a shot where i'm holding the camera or it's a shot where i'm like you know far away it's like okay every shot needed to be equalized with each other so it all sounded like the same
1: oh yeah. fuck
2: and then <laughs> there was a gun range right in the other room like oh hell no <laughs> police officers would train and whatnot, like shooting at targets. There was this this gun, this gunshot that would keep going and it was quiet, but you could hear it in the footage. And it's like, I'm supposed to be alone in this warehouse. Like there's not supposed to be another human being. So I need to cut out every one of these gunshots. So I'm using, I I would do multiple takes. Like if, if, if a gunshot went off while I was speaking, I would just go with it. And then I'd record another take. And I would take the syllable from the other take and like splice it in to cover up the sound. So a lot of times it would like it, it cuts back and the audio cuts back and forth between different takes and, and like matching the the sound, you know, matching the voice to my
1: lips Fucking so that
2: don't notice. So hopefully you didn't notice any. No, of that. It's
1: really good. It's really good. Okay. I had the same problem with like buffering when we try to do streams and stuff with interviews and yeah i have to splice voices there's been times where if i didn't have a word i have to go back and find when that person said that same word mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah be yeah. that and then change it just a little bit unless you can't notice if it's really far away from each other no one will notice but if it's really close you gotta change it a little bit with you know the tonality <laughs> or it shit gets like fucking crazy yeah
2: <laughs> And then it's just like, then one day your computer will crash and then you're trying to like fix something and (laughs) like, there's so much bullshit work that you never see. (laughs) Yeah. You never see it. No one ever knows. Yeah. You'll never know. You'll never, (laughs) never, ever. No. And and you can't start on the next one until you're finished the one you're working on. Very true. So it's like, well, if I made less, I can make them better. But then it's like, you kind of have to come up with like a compromise.
0: Yeah. You've literally brought things from your filmmaking, all the different films you've made, too, into The Nerd with all the different episodes. Um, The thing is, is that like a little bit of, like, when I started watching The Nerd, I was actually um, in the Army and just got back from deployment around 2008. Like Christmas time, so I had no clue. My one buddy just comes up to me like in the barracks. I was in Germany at the time, and my buddy goes, "Have you heard of this guy's Angry, the angry Nintendo nerd is what he said." And I'm like, "I have Uh, no fucking clue." (laughs) So like, I go on YouTube and I see Friday the Thirteenth, Texas Halloween. I'm like, "Holy." Fuck oh, this yeah. guy's talking about horror that I love. Like, <laughs> my god! Yeah. What do you and, do? You
2: find it, and then there's like all these videos. Like, ex- do you just watch a whole bunch of them, or, or what do you
0: do? Well, that's exactly it. Is that when you see something that you know is special, it turns into a binge watch session. <laughs> so, <laughs> I literally, yeah. I watched like those those first few, you know, because they were like the classic where you see, um you know, Chop Top is Mateus Chop Top and doing the, the craziness yeah, in yeah. Texas. Like, I was like, holy fuck, this guy gets it. I just rewinded and started watching, but um, that was around the game trailers, and I think the CDI episodes were your newest episodes. So... I was literally by myself, I was single at the time, you know, now I have a wife and a, a daughter myself, and I was single, Ooh. just chilling, watching stuff in the barracks, I think I just got my wisdom teeth pulled out, so I couldn't even talk or drink or do anything, mm-hmm. It's all fucked up, I'm just watching crazy-ass <laughs> nerd videos.
2: <laughs> yeah, I hear that's usually what you do, you just gotta sit there and like, you know, you're on your meds and everything, and you're just, you just gotta <laughs> watch something to, you know, keep your mind off of it.
0: Well, exactly. Like, and the thing was, I got my wisdom teeth pulled out in Germany. So this crazy ass German dentist literally grabs some fucking pliers. Oh, gee, and pulls them out and goes, "All right, so you can't, you can't drink, you can't do this, you can't take meds, you can't." I'm like, "Well, what can I do for the pain?" He just laughed. And I'm like, oh fuck, <laughs> like, oh man, <laughs> evil. <laughs> so I was, I was literally sitting there. Um, I think I was drinking wine out of a straw or something, box wine out of a straw, which I can't drink wine now anymore. So that was around episode 60. So you were already well into the production, and so there was my like weird expectation is I didn't start at the beginning, but I started as you were starting to ramp up. You were putting out tons of episodes. So then later on, around when we started to start with video game bullshit, it was like you just hit the huge episode 100. This was, you know, there's still plenty of episodes after that, but there was long pauses between episodes because you were also filming the Angry Video Game Nerd movie. Yeah. Which I would definitely like to pick your brain on how like what were your expectations when you started it i know i backed it and got some sign one of the signed pictures or something because like Uh you you were asking for support to help fund the movie back in the day i got like one of the pictures um i remember you had to like sign a million pictures or some crazy shit um but like how, how do you feel that whole thing like what were your expectations going in how do you feel it turned out and then i have like my own experiences on what i feel after like after i hear what your thoughts are
2: Okay, I'm just so amazed we pulled it off and that. It actually did represent everything we wrote, like everything we wrote on the page we got to film, Uh except for like a few small exceptions. Like I think there was a part where like a dog attacks me and that that we we (laughs) put out. We had a trained dog that was actually going to be in it, but we didn't have time to shoot the scene. So there was like minor, like there was compromises and stuff to get it done, but it's still everything that we wrote we managed to shoot it and we managed to find some way to make it happen. Like no matter how crazy, um, like I remember just one scene where a missile comes up out of the floor and just something for, as simple as like, Hey, we want to have a missile come up out of a floor? How do we do that? And then it's just like thinking it all through and, you know, trying to come up with all these like ways to do it. And, and even to do it in a, in a cheesy way where it looks funny, yeah. you know? Where you can kind of tell, like, oh hey, that thing right there, that that's a vegetable strainer or whatever. So, like, I mean, it's a movie that sort of represents everything about me. Just absolutely, like,
0: yeah. That's what that's what I was gonna say is that like the the angry video game nerd movie is like your if you've watched any of your non nerd videos which you have on Cinemasker.com, like you can see that it's like those. Turned up to 11 with an actual budget, but you still see your mind and how to conceptualize the effects. And yeah, where where things are mind blowing is that like the whole story behind the nerd in the movie is like so the angry video game nerd is a is you turned up to 11, it's you playing a character. Well, now it's like the angry video game nerd's playing a character. It's like a movie inside of a movie type aspect. <laughs> it's just like crazy. And it and it really yeah. does get better yeah. every time oh. you watch it. Oh, cool. Thanks. <laughs> well, it, it does because like good filmmaking, when you watch it the first time, you watch it and go, Holy shit, what did I just watch? And you like then you have your initial reaction. Well, with a really great film, you go back and now you start catching little fucking things that you didn't notice and yeah. And not only do you notice, like, your angry video game nerd tropes that you've thrown in there, like little, like, Mike Pate floating around in one of the extras in the background or, you know, like, uh, different YouTubers that you had in there and things like that, but also filmmaking tropes because I know you're a huge yeah. film buff. Like, we are, so it's, like, I notice, like, so many little things and I'm, like, oh, wow. So, it's, like, yeah. you enjoy film. Like, this movie is, like, classic B Style, awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, there really are a lot of references. Like, somebody pointed out that there's, like, three or four
0: Back to the Future references. Absolutely there are. you remember? When, <laughs> yeah, I, re- I remember a couple of them, and I'm, I'm like, was that just Back to the Future? So I have to, like, pause the movie and go look it up online to see. Oh, Yep, that's exactly. <laughs> because some of them were really subtle. Really fucking yeah, subtle. Yeah, there was one that I didn't even, like... Most of them were
2: intentional, but there was like one unintentional one where I used the term, uh, you're not thinking like fourth dimensionally or something. <laughs> and that just became part of my vocabulary. But, but it's true that i never would have, I probably would have never said that if I didn't hear it in back to future three, I don't yeah. know how they found me, but they, they, or they found it or whatever. And then <laughs> I don't they, know
0: how they found me.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then there's a, uh, give me a rock rolling.
0: <laughs> yeah that was awesome because then and that's that, uh, there's classic. another one too give me a rock rolling. Yeah. <laughs> and that's also a an angry video game nerd, you know, trope as well, drinking the rolling rocks, so it's like it's like a double meaning. You know, oh wow, crazy. yeah, that's
2: great. It was <laughs> weird being able to draw all that stuff um from the the series, like the Top Gun part where I'm going to I'm actually in a cockpit going to land a plane and <laughs> it's like wow, the nerd is now finally gonna do all these times saying like oh it'd be easier to land a real plane well here he is now he has to land a real plane he has to fucking land the real plane And just at the very last second and i remember watching this in the theater with everyone and just at that moment when the nerd goes fuck it and then just like ejects himself out then everybody was just (laughs) laughing like it just people just went nuts like it was just like the best audience reaction I could have ever hoped for. Absolutely. Like they laughed at like every possible, like <laughs> every part where they were supposed to laugh, they laughed. Oh,
0: so it feels that's, that's interesting too, because obviously the people that are going to see the movie in the theater are gamers. They probably have are huge fans of the show. Uh, have mm-hmm. you had anybody who never saw the show or is not interested in video games, watch the movie or, that you've heard of? probably because oh, i yeah. i know my wife watched it with me and she was still laughing and she's not a okay. huge like retro gamer and she never watched the show she she plays well, like new stuff it's hard to get her to laugh oh, actually yeah. oh cool yeah
2: we tried to design the movie so that it, it's it's got all the the references for the fans but at the same time if you were to see it and had no idea what it was um you'd be able to get up to speed pretty pretty quickly because how we started it off with the whole um like showing who the nerd is like right when it begins and you know explaining everything with the ET game like it was all kind of um like meant to be sort of like if you never seen the nerd before like this this would still hopefully you know make sense absolutely yeah
0: <laughs> and it was like it's really really interesting because it does have. A different feel than any of your episodes, whether it be before or mm. after. Like it's just, it's just different, and it's different in a cool way. Oh, I don't. Cool. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to explain because, like, and, and the thing was, the first time I watched it, I didn't know what to make of it. I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm like, man, I don't know. And then you watch it again, and I actually watched it while I was uh, away because I was off the internet for like two months this year, and I watched <laughs> it again because I had it with me uh, on my hard drive. Cause I have like the, the Blu-ray and like all mm. my Blu-rays are backed up and I watched it and I'm like, Holy shit. And I started to catch all the references.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like... One of my biggest fears going into it was that I didn't want it to be like the show too much. Cause I want it to feel like this is a movie, not just a two hour episode. Yeah. And I thought of a lot of ways where I was like, okay, well we need to get them out of the room. Like it can't be like only the beginning can take place in the nerds, home but then he needs to leave and we need to see we need to be introduced to new characters because mm-hmm. the nerd didn't even have there's no other characters on the show <laughs> there's no. guest characters but
0: they come and go yeah now you no have th- your guy who's behind the camera and
2: <laughs> your little buddy yeah. that
0: follows you around.
2: <laughs> like it sort of needs to be like a permanent um, like certain characters that exist in his world mm-hmm. and I even changed I made sure like to uh, I made the glasses different because I was thinking of like Star Trek, like, you know, it started as a show, but then when they went to the movies, Star Trek movies, they, uh, they had new uniforms and there's all this distinction of like, well, that's the show and this is the movie. And, and the movie had to look a lot bigger, a lot more expensive. Otherwise I, I was, it was just going to be like, oh, well then this is just, this is just like the show. And he could have
0: done this at any time, you know? <laughs> Actually, knowing that would, should give fans a deeper appreciation, too, because you purposely tried to make it look like that, which is awesome.
2: Yeah. It's very and It It's just like a story that had to be a movie. It's just like, as soon as i you know, heard about the E.T. Uh, cartridges in the landfill, it's like, oh, well, that's like a perfect movie plot right there. But then <laughs> who better to star in the movie than the nerd to like go on this adventure to find the,
0: the games? And, and isn't it crazy how like things parallel itself? Because like when I was working on like one of my book releases, somebody else is doing a similar yeah. book and the game release. Somebody's doing a similar game. Right. When you were doing the AVGN movie, somebody was doing the landfill. Like,
1: yeah, <laughs> someone's always thinking the same thing
0: somewhere.
2: Yeah. It's weird that they, uh, they dumped those games in the landfill in 83 or 82 or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, 83, I guess. But, uh, that they've been there that long. And then for some reason in 2014 is when both the movie and then the, the digging of it happens.
0: What's the classic, the, the mall cop movies that came out in the same year. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they were talking with us too. Like we actually
2: did connect, but they, they were digging on the, on my daughter's one year birthday and I couldn't come out. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I was hoping they'd be able to change it or something, but it was just, you know, it wasn't happening. But, I mean, either way, it's like, you know, to travel all the way for that wasn't really, like, that necessary, I don't think. But it would have been cool to, like, be there, have them, you know, be part of, like, you know, their bonus features and stuff like that. But
0: Absolutely. But it, it doesn't always work out. There's just so many times that you see throughout, like, history, like, especially, like, current-gen style, where it just seems like the people have the same idea at the same time and it all comes to fruition. And it's like, yeah. It, and they're all different too. It's, it's uh-huh. really cool. Really cool.
2: Documentary. Yeah. Like one's a documentary. One's a fictional film. Yeah. And there's a lot of misconceptions. I think like one of them was like, Oh, this does this affect the movie? And it's like, well, no, no. I mean, it's, they didn't find a UFO or anything. It's like not real life.
0: And that then they filmed. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: and then the other thing was just that, like, oh, like the the myth is true is true. Like they proved that the myth is real. And and I mean, it was never a myth that no, worried all those games. Yeah, it was like there was a lot more information about that back when I was writing the film. And for some reason, all that stuff got like removed from the internet.
0: Interesting. Wait, the, the magic have- of Wikipedia.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was well. It was like there was a bunch of sites dedicated to the Atari landfill. They had mm-hmm. the location of it. They had everything. Damn. The, I- interviews with workers. So it was already um, like a proven thing. There, there are newspaper articles, but there's a difference between uh, the Atari landfill and the ET landfill. I mean, if there is an ET landfill,
0: oh um, yeah, because Absolutely. there are
2: two million games that were unaccounted for, and those two million games have never been found. But that story got combined with the fact that Atari dumped a bunch of games in a landfill mm-hmm. that wasn't just E.T. Like, it was Pac-Man, Centipede. It was like everything. So, of course, yeah. E.T.'s in there,
1: too. It's kind of but, an example of the Mandela effect, again, because we're combining two things into, like, this mixed, warped memory.
2: Even, <laughs> yeah, and they even say that in the documentary, too. At the, the oh, end, yeah? like, this this was an Atari landfill. It wasn't just E.T. Yeah. Uh, so there's still the, the legend still exists that there's 2 million ET cartridges somewhere. And a lot of people uh, suspected that it would have went into a, a local landfill in California, as opposed to taking it all the way to like New Mexico. Which because, makes sense. Yeah. Like they had another, uh, headquarters or whatever, where they were liquidating their supplies. So they, the closest one to that was New Mexico was Alamogordo. But, uh, Check out the gaming historian's video on it because he explains it a lot better.
0: Oh yeah, Norm's Norm's video is excellent on the uh, the whole Atari landfill as well. Like, it's it's really interesting. Is that you know the whole misinformation and then like some people don't check their sources when they report on things. So like, internet websites are notorious too for just not yeah. getting the details hundred percent correct. And, you know, over years
1: and years, that's when things become, like, lore. <laughs> it totally makes sense. E.T. was such a ginormous failure, they had to go somewhere, and you mm. had this other landfill, so let's just combine them, <laughs>
0: you <know>? Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. So, so one other interesting aspect, James, is um, I noticed, it was, like, randomly, maybe a few months back, that you were part of another film, and it was a remake of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah. And I want to know, because you were like a police officer in it or something, I want to know, like, what's your (laughs) thoughts behind actually going in a remake of a classic? Because I know you're a huge horror movie and more so, like, scary movie, like, universal horror, but Ed Wood as well. So, like, what are your thoughts on that? Because that's mind-blowing to me. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, shit, you must have been, like, extremely stoked to be in that movie.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, I just remember it being really fun, just a really fun time. I mean, except for, you know, weather, like it was freezing, you know, things like that, that affect (laughs) any film, you know, any any film production has its, you know, setbacks. Absolutely. Um, But it was cool being a part of that right before shooting my own movie, because then I kind of got to see on the set of like how things go and like how things go wrong. Like the weather always affects everything and you got to like reschedule. And I remember seeing them go through that and, uh, you know, just taking a little bit of warning when I went into my own film. That was one of the main things why I decided to shoot in California so that it wouldn't rain all the time. And then, what do you know? It still rained. And then we had <laughs> our biggest, biggest, our most, our craziest shoot with like a hundred extras out in the desert had to be like rescheduled.
0: Uh, Murphy's Law.
2: Yeah. Oh, and that was the day Howard Scott Warshaw was coming out, too, with the, yeah. the guy who made E.T. And, uh, we had, we, well, we got him still. We had to reschedule, but... um, He's yeah, hard was, to
0: get a, get, a, get a hold of, by the hard. way. he have been, been trying to get a hold of him for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's <laughs> yeah, agreed well, to come on the podcast since, like, season two, and we're now well into season four. Oh, okay, but you've had uh, contact with him, though? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah ho- hopefully you do, yeah, because he's a great guy. But, yeah, it's, uh, like, crazy how Murphy's Law, like, completely.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> with Plan 9, it was just a cool experience to, to be there, and then... I did something with them again recently. It was they're doing
0: the seventh guest.
2: Oh, nice! Uh, yeah, it's a lot. Um, it's
0: a classic PC game, of course. Yeah,
2: yeah. What they're doing is a lot more. It, it's a it's a lower budget than Plan Nine, like far lower budget. <laughs> um, like Plan Nine actually um, had you know pretty decent budget. It looked like. Uh, I mean, it was still a low budget film, but. So Seventh Guest, I, I don't know what's happening right now with it. I think they premiered some of it. It's a series. No, okay, it's not. so
0: they're doing it as, a, as like a serial type thing? Y- yeah. Ooh, I, cool. I play a cop again in it. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting typecast, James. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I wonder if – I don't know. It's almost like I'm the same cop, I think. I think it's like a crossover. i sure.
0: <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> that would be cool if they kind of had like their own little universe that they're working yeah, on like subtly. Is-
1: which
2: is exactly what Ed Wood did. Yes, um, he is. had the same police officers, uh, Kelton and uh, oh, who's the other guy? Oh, but anyway, it was like Paul Markham. I'm horrible
0: so- with the Ed Wood background, but like after yeah. I saw the Johnny Depp documentary, I, I actually it's- got the whole series on DVD.
2: <laughs> oh, cool! Yeah,
0: but like he definitely has the same like characters in almost every one.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like what like it's almost like a Tarantino kind of like. Yep connected films like that's what ed wood was doing before that was ever a thing
1: yeah rob zombie you'll do that too yeah yeah
0: it's craziness so, so that you think <laughs> that they're doing that because they're typecasting you into the police officer every time
1: yeah well, that's cool
2: I'll, I'll i'll be i'll come back again <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah, so, yeah but anyway yeah that was just a, that was cool that was a good uh good time good, good both, both both
0: yeah and it's interesting that you're using every experience to help refine your projects in some way shape or form
2: it definitely helps uh, just you know being on other film sets and stuff I don't get to do that too often so it was, it's, it's you know special when I get to uh, when I have some time to take a break from my own projects
0: well yeah because I mean there was something I don't know if it was a post that you did or a video where you were talking about your crazy it might have even been an email to us where you were talking about your crazy hectic schedule and, like, how every single day is almost accounted for. Yeah. That's just mind-blowing to me that, like, it's taken on a life of its own, the whole, you know, Uh something that stemmed from, you know, Angry Video Game Nerd Shorts now has allowed you to, you know, do it as a job and now you're doing it but also able to go to your own filmmaking projects at the same time, which is really cool.
2: Yeah, I'm going to try to get back to that more coming uh soon i want to 2018 like kind of like a new year's resolution sort of thing it's like i want to get back to my roots more and get start doing more of like a creative film that's not abgn or anything like that like something that's going back to my roots
1: yeah because i thought like uh, dragon in my dreams was fantastic i mean if that if people listening if that doesn't bring a tear to your eye your heart ain't beaten i mean that's that's just beautiful stuff a tear so, yeah to
0: my and
1: that's and that's old school so
0: man yeah
2: yeah, yeah stuff like that so i just want to like kind of see see through goals i've had long ago i'd like to sort of actually pursue them
0: it's always good though to kind of you know take it back take us take a step back and get through the backlog of projects and go through. Cause I, I remember you did, um, I think it was this year that you did the, the um, trailer for the the alien movie or it was like the, the fuckers.
2: Yeah. That was um, <laughs> last December. That was last. Like it was, to-
0: it was like almost a year ago. Yeah.
2: yeah and then the memo, the elf documentary was <laughs> earlier this year. <laughs>
0: Dude, the thing is, is those are really, really cool because you get to see how creative you get with di- different effects, and you try to keep them purposely <laughs> old too, which I appreciate.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 Tarantino
0: <laughs> style again. Yeah, uh-huh. you like have your own like filmmaking style. So it'll be interesting to see where you go in the non-avgn world with future projects and things. So one question is: is that do you actively collect? video games too because I know you have the video game collection behind you for like the props yeah but like do you collect that because I know you have a huge you know VHS and film collection because that's you know huge passion you've been filmmaking and like do you collect actual games as well or is it just like a nostalgic thing now that you do and just to get more versed in AVGN stuff or how does that work when Angry
2: Video Game Nerd started is when the collecting began, like the mm-hmm. the real serious collecting. And it was, it's a lot for the videos, but it's also sort of like half and half. It's also, you know, it's personal, it's like for yourself, but it's also for the videos, and you're kind of like giving it back to the world in sort of like a virtual museum kind of way, where like you're, you're showing these games and explaining them and talking about the history behind them, and sort of preserving a lot of, you know, this knowledge.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: now now I, I don't really collect many unless it's specifically for a video. Like, if I need something for the next episode, I'll get it. Like, with that Game Boy video I did recently.
1: Yeah. I
2: had, yeah, I had to get a lot of those. Um, Like, I had to get the camera, you know, and all those things. But other than that, I'm not really, I'm not, like, purposely just trying to find stuff just for the sake of it. Because, like, the room is pretty full. It's like. Well, yeah, exactly. It's so full, like, I have to take stuff up to the attic a lot because it's just, like you know finding places to put everything is is pretty tough the (laughs) the
0: space considerations is always a topic on video game bullshit because like both kyle and i like have to get super creative and i always talk i always talk about paring down my collection and it's like tough every time
2: (laughs) yeah yeah and it's like i have pretty much like you know i have mostly like all the nes games like all the ones that that were officially released or all Mm -hmm. the ones that um you know i have all the licensed ones mm-hmm. i have a pretty pretty decent super nintendo collection a lot of atari sega genesis like there's not really a lot left
0: that i want to own well cuz the thing is is that like with collecting there's also the aspect of do you have enough time in your life to play all those games <laughs> like no and that that's actually the thing it's like <laughs> that's when my thing.
2: started it was like oh yeah so what we'll, i'm going to start reviewing all these games and then maybe like we'll, <laughs> we'll do all of these and then <laughs> But now it's like it's all these years later, and I've probably only made videos about like a tiny fraction of all the games that are in this room. <laughs> that's where every everybody
1: does that too. Absolutely, in, in your mind you have this whole grandiose thing, and then reality hits, and it's like, oh,
2: yeah, it's like <laughs> if I'm gonna run. Like, there's no way I'm gonna run out of games. You no, know, that's for sure. Hell no. Like, and like a lot of the times, it's like if there's a game that I I. Plan on doing. It isn't even necessarily a game I own. So then it's like, okay, well, I'll just if I get that idea, I'll buy that game when the time comes. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like it's all here. Like you, you could. It's convenient that if you need a clip from another game and you own it, it's like, oh, cool. I I want to show that two second clip of like I don't know, Kid Icarus or something. It's like, okay, well. Yeah, you know, I'll just grab it from my library, and I'll just pop it in, and I'll get the clip, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like a quick comparison, yeah.
0: It's like something similar with like how our grandiose idea of doing bullshit homework that we've done throughout the uh, video game bullshit as we've been recording, and it's like so we could get through those classic games we've been meaning to play in our backlogs, and now bullshit homework becomes like
1: a huge backlog. That's the kind of thing where you have to switch it up, too, and unfortunately... Life rears its ugly head as well, so there's only so many hours in the day. I really wish there wasn't, but there is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know. and recharging the batteries for like passions, you know, like you next year, James, going and, you know, focusing on some stuff you've had in your backlog will let you recharge the AVGN batteries and then you'll come up with some crazy stuff when it comes time to come back because you've been, you know, thinking of newer ideas and you're not just Producing content after content after content. It's it's something to be said with taking a little bit of extra time as well. Yeah. Very, very, very cool. So what is your favorite game of all time? Uh, Zelda Link to the Past. Hell yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly my top game of all time as well. Yeah. Fuck and with yeah.
2: favorites, it's always a thing where you don't uh you know, it's like you don't put a lot of thought into it that much it's just kind of like what what comes to your mind that it's always, it keeps coming back into your mind and it's like well that's that's the one that stuck with me for the longest
0: and it is and, like uh, one of the most cinematic Zelda experiences that I've had where the whole story unfolds yeah, Yeah. like I
2: never at that time that was like the l- longest game I ever played it had like the most, it had the deepest story to any game I've ever had and um, it just got my imagination going and Like, yeah, it wasn't just a game, it was an experience.
1: I like to say the game's half there, the other half is you. Yeah. Like, anything with art, you actually fill in the other half with your own perception.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Zelda Link to the Past just connected with me, like, completely different than any other game up to that point. It was just one of those things where it was
1: just perfection. Playing it through the first time is like losing your virginity. Like, (laughs) holy shit. (laughs)
2: It was like the the first uh, console that that I remember coming out. I remember it being new.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: NES. I was sort of like it was already out by the time I, you know, heard of it. And I guess it kind of had like a slow release where it was it was in Japan. It was the Famicom, but then it like came out in America, but right. wasn't really a lot of games. Then Super Mario Brothers came out and then it would like it was a slow thing. Then people started talking about it and then I got one for my birthday. But Super Nintendo, it was like reading about it in, in Nintendo Power and, mm-hmm. and waiting for and seeing those screenshots and being like, wow, I can't wait to look at those graphics. And then it coming out and then it, it got it for Christmas and then it it was sort of like the first time where I felt like I was really with it. I was, like, part of the generation. I was really – I don't know. It just felt like I was – that was, like, the most current I ever was of, like, you know.
1: Yeah. I got you. Yeah, because I'm, I'm always, like, two steps, ten steps behind. Yeah. yeah so, like, your feet were firmly planted on the ground at that point. Like
2: Yeah. And actually, a <laughs> bit more for when Nintendo 64 came out. It was, like, that was where I was – Eagerly waiting for it, where I was like just there, like opening day.
0: Yeah, waiting to
2: like delay after delay after delay, and like when it was going to be called the Ultra sixty four, and then getting pissed that they changed the title mm-hmm. or the name, and then uh playing it, and then w- one in Killer Instinct, but they never they never put it out on there. They did they nope. did the sequel, yeah, uh, Chaos Gold, but yeah, Gold, yeah. But then it was like Super Mario sixty four. I was like, well, that's cool, but that's it was a great game, but. I wanted Killer Instinct. Hell yeah. Um, I was kind of like, all right, well, I'll get this for now, and then eventually they'll put out Killer Instinct. And
0: I did, like, Cruising USA, and that was, like, eh, like, you know, the the, the port of it. Mm -hmm. Well, it was a lot of the polygon graphics at the time. Like, even at the time, I didn't quite care for them, where the 2D-style fighting games that were overly refined, like Killer Instinct, were amazing.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was like they just, you know, you'd be racing, and the thing's... Like, trees would just appear out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, like, cruising. <laughs> like
2: yeah, so, like, <laughs> Nintendo 64, like, it had a lot of great games eventually, like, you know, but it was the first time ever where I was uh, I was current again, but it was the first time where it didn't quite meet my, my expectations. Like, I got too hyped for it. Same here, same here. Yeah, and I was a little yeah. bit older, too. There was a lot mm-hmm. more on my mind at that time, too, so
1: yeah.
2: it just got complicated and... and that was the, that was when I started to fall out of video games actually was Nintendo 64 um And I played Zelda but it, uh Ocarina of Time but it it took me a whole year of uh my my whole freshman year of college to beat it because I didn't play it that often. Mm-hmm. It was sort of just like every once in a while like I take these like long breaks probably like months before I'd go back to it. And then as, as college went on I just I, I was kind of not really paying attention to the new games but then i met mike and he had gamecube and we played that and um i was just kind of like oh there's a new nintendo console cool then not only were we playing that but we were start we were playing all the old games and that's sort of where the nostalgia factor came in for me like remembering all these old games so there was sort of like a, a retro resurgence for me then and then afterwards like after college was when the nerds started and that was kind of like Retro resurgence
0: phase two, I guess. Well, and like you hit your resurgence around the same time that we hit our resurgence, and we all went our own ways to kind of rekindle our nostalgia.
1: Yeah, it's we have the same almost story where once you hit college, and then it's like, oh, wait, I kind of want this back.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just remember in college, one of the. Guys, I was in in school with is like, oh, have you have you ever beaten Super Mario World? And I'm like, oh yeah, I can beat it in like 20 minutes. And he's like, bullshit, you can't fucking do that. And <laughs> I I sat there did the Star Road way, and I showed yes. him, and he's like, holy fuck! Oh and, yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was like
0: during the Super Bowl. I remember, and like we weren't watching the Super Bowl. Everybody's watching me play fucking Super Mario World. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, goddamn, Super right. Nintendo was amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and like the main
0: event, exactly. And it was so just crazy. like crazy. And then. Like, Kyle and I went toward the uh, Video Game Masters Club website where we, were like, had <laughs> emulation in a browser and started writing little reviews and shit. And it all kind of culminated to the story where I told you where I was, like, deployed and everything. Mm-hmm. Kyle and I would have three-hour phone calls where we would bullshit. And mm-hmm. we're like, we should be fucking recording this shit. And then eventually we're yeah. like, well, podcasting's okay, a <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that's true yeah that makes a lot of sense like with with the, the james and mike videos mm-hmm. it sounds a
0: lot like that exactly yeah. and that's like yeah, you like at the truest content. it's you at the truest like aspects as well which is really and it's funny.
1: easy it's so easy you don't have to like go too crazy i mean as far as delivering it and getting it you know recorded because yeah. it's, it's natural you know you and mike and jeff and i were you know best bros so it's just like breathing
0: uh-huh yeah
1: exactly
0: yeah. so you mentioned james that you're um gonna be going away from the av gen a little bit next year is, is there any uh-huh. kind of plans for 2018 as for like the nerd and then can you give us like a preview of maybe a genre or whatever that you're going into non-nerd as well so that way you can do like a little bit of a thing and then do you have anything else coming up that's like a Oh, a yeah. <laughs> triple loaded question.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what the nerd schedule is going to be yet, but I imagine we'll still be making a lot of videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so the nerd is, is definitely going to continue into 2018. I'm not sure how much of it's going to be, but there, there's probably going to be a pretty decent amount again. Because it's kind of like the priority of all the web series. Like, I want to do, you know, it's bullshit. I've been trying to bring Hell that yeah. back for years and years, but there's just no time. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm sort of just working on priority here. So I'll be working on AVGN, but I'm going to cut back probably a little more on the movie reviews. Instead of delivering one every week, I'm probably going to try to just make some time to, you know, write um, my horror film. I I just want to write a horror film. Hell yeah. And uh, I don't know if it's going to get made, but I at least want to write it and and see where it's going.
0: What genre of horror are you going toward? Uh, It's probably like atmospheric horror,
2: suspense
0: yeah, it's, um, I I could tell from a lot of your reviews that's one of your favorite aspects of horrors. We're like slasher movie style, like yeah. classic eighties B. That's what we
1: love. We also like the Twilight Zone stuff but too. But the Twilight Zone, Zone stuff is psychological, yeah. little twist at the end, tales and the dark side,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Like outer limits, whatnot. So uh-huh. this is
0: gonna be atmospheric though, which is really cool. That's tight. That's yeah,
1: landing on
2: yeah, it's, it changes day to day. I'm still shaping <laughs> the idea, but it's, sure. it has elements of. You know, the AVGN Polybius video, or the whole board James story arc, Legend of the Blue Hole, Cinemaphobia, Dragon of My Dreams. Like, you'll see little kind of elements of everything that I've ever done in it.
0: Kind of a v- evolution of your, your filmmaking, it all comes full circle.
2: Yeah, and this is sort of meant to be like the ultimate culmination of it. Nice. Um, I mean, I'm trying to do, right, not going to be like anything crazy, I'm just trying to do like a low-key, like, suspenseful horror film.
0: Well, that'll be really, really interesting when, you know, things start to come out. Um, Do you have anything else? Because I know um, you just had a new Blu-ray release for The Nerd, which was the fourth one, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. Is there anything else so that way people can catch up with, you know, The Nerd? Because I know as the Blu-rays come out, the quality, like, it went to HD and things, so there's less episodes because it's shot in higher quality yeah so like what what are your plans for the future when it comes to like marketing things so people can support you
2: oh okay i mean still uh more of that we can we plan to continue the the blu-rays and like as as more episodes come out you know release more of them on on blu-ray as long
0: as people are interested in blu-ray and what about some of your older films that would be yeah the last time
2: those were available were um on the screw attack store it was the the three Cinemassacre DVDs, which mm-hmm. we don't have anymore, unfortunately. But I'm hoping to get those released again in some way. Either way, you'll still be able to find them all on, on YouTube. You
0: yeah, know. it's just super super cool to see the lineage and you know be able to kind of follow your career as you know things progress because you know you're passionate as hell about filmmaking and it's it's really cool to see where you're continually going. That's that's the main aspect that we both see. You know, just aside from the AVGN, just the overall
1: filmmaking passion is there, and that's what we dig. Oh, cool. Thanks. Um, I did want to mention your uh, video rental room is badass. It actually inspired yes. me to make my own VHS <laughs> rental room. Yeah. <laughs> it's just cool just go in there and kind of, you know, chill out a little bit. But yeah, it's putting yourself in your past and feeling what it was like and things have changed so much. So, uh, what does it feel like to be an inspiration for so many people? I mean, it's got to feel awesome, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Speechless. It's right.
1: Not, yeah. It's
0: just it's- one of those things where. Like even you know my book releases that are are small and video game bullshit releases, which our podcast is small in comparison to you know everything you're doing on Cinemassacre. We still get people that you know reach out, take the time to reach out to us and thank us for you know an episode or thank me for like uh my Super Nintendo book release and things like that. And it's just like those little things just make it all worthwhile. It's just like the the aspect that you're touching somebody's life who gets a genuine appreciation for what you're doing. It's one of those things that, you know, it'll be cool to see where 2018 goes, but you have mm-hmm. a lineage too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got, to, you got to take everything back to the past, right? yeah oh shit <laughs> <laughs> so um James thanks for coming on the video game yeah, bullshit thanks, we man. appreciate it um we're gonna try to release this as episode 100 so shit comes full circle oh, nice. oh, that's all- Yeah. <laughs> as
2: Don't
0: people listen they're gonna be like oh shit that shit did come out <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's always fucking crazy man well thanks for your time James I know you're busy with shit. you got a newborn congrats on having the, uh, the little one yeah woo um, Good good luck. My, my my daughter now is almost six, so it's it's fucking mind blowing every day. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But uh, yeah, thanks for your time, James. Appreciate you coming on, and um, you know, keep fucking gaming.
2: <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. All right. all right. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, Thank you. Happy New Year and all that good stuff.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Merry Christmas. Party on, bro. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Take care. Take, Take it care. easy, man. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, Arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at vgbspodcast at gmail.com. Also, comment on us.
1: Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right. See you later. Woo! Later!